So as uh, Trudy said, we're looking at Psalm 122 this morning as part of a, a series we're doing, working through a number of psalms, and we've tried to look at a variety of different psalms, some more well-known, some less so. Um, I will share some slides in a minute, but um, if you could get the, the passage up in front of you, Psalm 122, either on a, a phone or um, uh, even better in a, in a book form, because that allows you to sort of... Um, uh, skim around it as well as looking at the actual verses that um, I'm highlighting. So I'll read Psalm 122. It's entitled A Song of Ascents of David. And it says this, I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing in your gates, Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built like a city that is closely compacted together. That is where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to praise the name of the Lord, according to the statute given to Israel. There stand the thrones for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. For the sake of my family and friends, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. Now, if you, you may have noticed that this is entitled A Song of Ascent, and it is one of 15 psalms, which all come together, uh, starting at Psalm 120 through 134, which are entitled Songs of Ascent. And this means that they would have been sung by the people, by pilgrims on their way to Jerusalem. And Psalm 120 seems to be set uh, in the context of people living uh, far away who perhaps weren't able to get to Jerusalem. And in a way, they're lamenting that fact. And then in Psalm 121, probably the best known of the Psalm of a sense. It's, a, it's very much a pilgrimage psalm. Uh, the folks are, are going on pilgrimage, they're looking at the hills around and they're saying, where does my help come from? My help doesn't come from these hills that we're walking through. My help comes from the Lord. And, I'm, and we're heading towards Jerusalem where we believe we're going to encounter the Lord. And then we get to uh, Psalm 122. Uh, let me just uh, share my screen for a moment. And, it, and in verse two, we read these uh, wonderful words, and one just senses the joy of the pilgrims as they arrive there in Jerusalem, maybe after a long, arduous journey. And they say together, our feet are standing in your gates, Jerusalem. There's this sense of, of joyful arrival, but also a sense of anticipation, what we're going to experience while we're here in Jerusalem. And hopefully many of you had a chance to watch the video I sent around in the week where I talked, um, I gave a little bit about, of the background as to how as Christians we understand Jerusalem today. This psalm mentions Jerusalem a lot. And uh, I won't go into what I said in the video, but I think it would be, it's good when we think about Jerusalem today to have some, there are some different perspectives. And what I'd encourage you to do as we think about this psalm this morning is to try the best that you're able to hold three different perspectives in your head at the same time. There's firstly a historical perspective. Uh, we recognize as we read a psalm like this, that this was written uh, for worship in Jerusalem 
by God's Old Testament people. And we recognize that we are related to them by faith. We stand in their shoes. Um, we are, as I was saying in the video, we are in a sense now the people, the, the, the Israel of God. Um, and so we, we recognize and we hold in our minds the fact that this psalm was written by people in a very different context to us who went to a, a, a physical place on pilgrimage. And that was the place God encouraged them to go to meet with him. And we recognize that we are related to them, but also that our relationship with God is now distinct from them because of Jesus and because Jesus has come to fulfill what happened in the temple and in Jerusalem. And for us Christians, uh, Jerusalem is a great place to visit. I haven't been there. Some of you have. But it's no longer the place where we believe is the primary place where we encounter God. We have the spirit now living in our hearts and we encounter God as we meet together as a church family. So we hold that truth in our mind. But we also recognize that these are words that we can say together as Christians, and they can be true about us as a church, us as a local church. And we can interpret the psalm locally for us and think about our own community, about going to church, as we sometimes say, gathering to worship God together as part, not just of this church, but when we gather together, we are part of a great worldwide church. And it's great to remember that too. And then there's a third perspective, there's a historical perspective, there's a local perspective, and then the third perspective is a hopeful perspective, a looking forward perspective to the day when we will gather together in the new Jerusalem, all of us, all God's people, and we will worship. And we will be able to say, our feet are standing in your gates, Jerusalem, in a new way. And so we need to try and hold, if we can, all those three perspectives in our heads as we go through this psalm. So let's launch into it now. Um, uh, there's uh, the first verse there on the screen, and uh, this reflects probably the, a very well-known setting of this psalm. Uh, certainly, if you come from this country, uh, you will probably know the setting, uh, the, the musical setting by Hubert Parry, that is often sung at royal and state occasions. In fact, it was written for the coronation of Edward VII in 1910, but actually the tradition of singing this psalm at British coronations goes back hundreds of years before that, right back to the 1600s. And um, it's a, I don't know why it's traditionally sung at royal weddings and uh, coronations, but I think it is, it, when, you, when you see videos of it being sung on such occasions, you get a sense of what an extraordinary thing, what an extraordinary privilege it is to be in that place worshiping together. Um, imagine if you had got an invite, uh, you, might, you might not be royalist, so you might not relate to this, some of you, and I'm not particularly a royalist myself, um, fairly neutral on the whole matter, but I do think if, if, you'd had a, if you'd had an invitation to a coronation or to a royal wedding, uh, you'd probably have gone with a, with a real sense of, of what a significant thing that was, what an amazing place to be, what, what a sense of wonder and about being at, at the heart of everything. And the point is, as Christians, we, we're not just supposed to feel that about royal weddings. We're supposed to feel about that every Sunday, every time we gather together to worship together. We are able to say with that sense, um, you know, imagine also if you, were, if you were Kate Middleton, as she then was, as she walked into Westminster Abbey a few years ago. And she went in, Kate Middleton, and she came out a princess. And, and she's, she, in a sense, was being inducted into a, into a new royal way of life. And that also 
again, if you if you don't like royalty, then you know ignore all these um, metaphors. But the, the, there is a sense of just wow, how wondrous and special it is. How how glad we should be in these glorious words of the King James version. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord, not because royalty are there, not because special people are there, not because the music's great, not because of the trumpets and the fanfares, but because I go there to worship the Lord. And us, us Gentiles, us who are not Jews by birth, we are also welcomed in. We also have this great privilege and how glad we should be when people say to us, come on, let's go to church. Let's go and worship together. We used to have uh, a minister in, in our church, uh, some of you will remember him, and I, I remember um, that, that if he was leading a service, he would stand up at the front at the beginning and say, welcome to church, the best place to be, the best place to be. And, and I hope that is your feeling too. Uh, being gathered together, I mean, I'm stuck here on Zoom, but I, I, and, I'm, and I'm not particularly glad about that, but it's, it's, it's better than nothing. But I'd be even gladder if I was there in the building with, with you people, um, being able to say, uh, this is the best place to be. I wonder if you were glad. Are you glad when you get the bulletin each week and it says, come on, come to church. Let's come and worship God together. When you were, were you glad when somebody said to you, I know you're anxious, but please do come along. It will be great. I was glad this week when I saw the Women's Fellowship meeting in the cafe area. How wonderful. 12 or so women for the first time back in the church building after 18 months or so. I'm, I'm glad to be here on Zoom. I'm very, very glad for Zoom and thank goodness for it. Uh, but, but Zoom isn't really it, is it? Uh, Zoom is not what uh, the psalmist is talking about. Got, Zoom is second best. It's for those of us who, who, for whatever reason, are unable to come to church at the moment. But how glad we are when we, when we can worship together in the building. But also, as we look forward, how glad we are when we look forward to the day when we will be in the heavenly Jerusalem and we will be worshipping together. Um, let me read you some verses from Revelation. Um, and, and I hope these will make our hearts glad because this is encouraging us to look to the future. Then I looked and heard the voices of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. And, and I doubt that they, they will be distancing, by the way. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. And in a loud voice, they were saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. This glorious vision of what it's going to be like um, at the end of time, when we're all caught up together with the Lord Jesus in the heavenly Jerusalem. And when we will be saying together, I was glad. I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing in your gates, O Jerusalem. So these first two verses, these first two verses of the Psalm have this real sense of joy about them. Joy as we look back and we see ourselves in the context of history. We see ourselves, most of us Gentiles welcomed into God's people. We're glad here today in Haywards Heath that we have the opportunity to meet together uh, and we're glad as we look forward to that day 
when we will meet together with myriads and myriads of people all worshipping the Lord. So uh, let's, let's move on, though. Let's move on to verses three and five. And these are verses, if the first two verses have a sense of joy about them, I'd say that this middle section of the psalm has a sense of unity about it. Jerusalem is built like a city that is closely compacted together. <laughs> Not much distancing going on there. So when you come to Jerusalem, you're really squeezed in. When the tribes come together on pilgrimage, you know, they would all have been squeezed together in that old walled city and there wouldn't have been a lot of space. And that's where we come. This is where the tribes, all of us, go up from all over Israel and even beyond, the tribes of the Lord, to praise the name of the Lord according to the statute given to Israel. The statute, this is what God told us to do, so this is what we do. There stand the thrones for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. So uh, uh, verses really that encourage us um, to come together in unity. Now, I lived... Um, I lived a few years ago uh, in, a, in an African country, and one of the features of life there, one of the, in a sense, a, a positive feature, but in some ways a not so positive feature, was, was what they used to call tribalism. So there were lots of tribes who, who mostly had their own uh, first language, and then they would also, or some people would speak English and some people would speak another common language in that particular country. And tribalism was great. It reminded you of the, the diversity of life, the different kind of customs and languages that people had. But it, it, was, it was problematic in some ways, too, because people tended to be uh, suspicious of people who were not from their tribe. Um, if you wanted something done, you needed to find somebody in authority who came from your tribe, your clan. Uh, because if you if the person you were needing to get something a, a favor from wasn't, uh, there's a good chance they'd just say no. And uh, sadly, that that is a feature of life in many countries. And let's be honest, in a, in a different way, it can also be a feature of life in our country. It was a feature of life in Israel. Unfortunately, we see incidents in the Old Testament where the tribes, the clans didn't get on with each other and ultimately where the kingdom split into two. Uh, because they couldn't agree about who wanted to rule them. And the central version of this psalm, as I say, is, a, is are verses that encourage us that we're all, we're all we're made to come together, whatever our different tribal affiliations, as God's people, that is, to, that is to overcome those tribal affiliations and divisions that we might feel and uh, that might um, mar our common life together. So, so when we meet together, we meet um, as God's people, despite our differences. We can celebrate our differences. We don't, we don't pretend that we're all the same, but, but we, we enjoy meeting together with us because of our differences. Uh, I love this picture. It was the last picture taken in our own church building. And it does, I'm afraid, I hope um, nobody's upset. It does contain some photos, some pictures of people who are, who are no longer with us, who are in glory. But it reminds us of the glorious diversity of church life. And as we meet together, as we celebrate our differences, um, we also, as the psalm reminds us, we stand under God's authority. There stand the thrones for judgment. And this was something to be celebrated, that we stand under God's law, God's way of doing things. But this psalm really encourages us that gathering together, ideally physical gathering together, and we are encouraging 
folks now, if you can, please do come and join us in the building. We realize for some people it's not possible, sadly it's not possible for me today, but we encourage you if you can to come to the building because actually there, there's a, the Bible knows nothing of a, a sort of unphysical spirituality. In, in, in the, the biblical Christianity is something that is, is physical in the sense that it's something we do together. It's something that involves our bodies. Um, it's not something that ideally we do online. Uh, I, I, online is second best. It is better to do it together if we can. Togetherness matters. Uh, and deciding to come together on the basis of what will bless God and will bless one another, I think is really important. Uh, the decisions we make about whether we come physically into the church building now need to be taken for all of us on the basis of what will bless God and what will bless one another. So, you know, if we're feeling ill and we think we might infect somebody, then we don't come because that's not gonna bless anybody else. Um, if, we could, if we could end up seriously ill, uh, and, and uh, you know, that, that would not bless anybody, would it? So if you're somebody who's, who's been told by your GP or something that you're particularly vulnerable and that you should stay away from, from groups of people, then please do that. Please, please be sensible. But, but, but if you're not in that position and you're just feeling, um, oh, I'm just a little bit anxious, I, I just don't want, want, want to take that first step, it feels a bit scary, can I encourage you to do that? And can I encourage you to do that because I think it will bless you, but I think it will bless others as well. It is a great blessing to gather together as God's people. And also, uh, we bring that perspective on it, that when we do that, we are, we are modelling a little bit of heaven. Uh, here's some other words from uh, Revelation chapter 5. With your blood, you purchased with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation from every tribe. It's not, I think, when we get to heaven that we won't have tribes anymore, that nobody will know where we come from, that our skin colors will be obliterated. Um, I mean, I don't know how it's gonna work in heaven, but I, I kind of have a feeling that even different languages might somehow operate and yet somehow they won't divide us. Uh, maybe we'll even carry our flags, I don't know, but I think they won't, they won't become a divisive nationalistic thing any longer. There'll be a glorious celebration of our diversity because we will be celebrating the fact that Christ with his blood purchased persons from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And we were reminding ourselves that we are all that, P people dif differentiated by tribe and language and people and nation, and yet made one by the Lord Jesus who purchased us all by his blood. You, and he has made us to be a kingdom, a kingdom that surpasses any other worldly kingdom and priests, people to serve our God. So this wonderful picture of unity is there to encourage us, it's there to point us forward, and it's there to challenge us to really make unity part of our common life together as his people. So uh, let's move on now to the um, last section of the psalm. And we've, we've thought, so we've thought about joy, we've thought about unity, and now I guess that the key word in these last few verses is peace. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. For the sake of my family and friends, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. 
that word for peace, probably many of you, if you don't know any Hebrew, you probably know one Hebrew word, with, which is shalom, uh, the word for peace. Uh, if, you, if you're on the streets of Jerusalem, even today, you will hear people using that as a greeting. And peace means uh, it's not just an absence of conflict. So in, in English, the word peace is more a it's an absence of conflict, it's an absence of strife and division. But in, in Hebrew, it's a more positive word. It has a sense, it actually comes, the root word means completeness. It means wholeness. It means being what God created me to be. It's, it's a very positive thing if we have peace. It's, a, it's something to be prized and to be shared. Uh, and Jerusalem, that, that name itself, Salem, um, people are not in quite entirely sure what, if, how Jerusalem, the, the name is derived, but the, the, the most common view is that, is that those final, the final part of the name embodies the word peace, Jeru, Jeru Shalom. Um, uh, so so that's prob there's probably a play on words going on here in this psalm. Because it's a psalm about Jerusalem, it's a psalm that also needs to talk about peace. And what are we being encouraged to do? In this psalm where we're being encouraged to pray we're being encouraged to pray for peace and we're being encouraged to seek peace and again going back to my three perspectives uh, we remember that we are part of a global church we remember that we're part of a people of god that owes our heritage to judaism and we want to keep on praying for the peace of jerusalem this sadly is a picture taken in uh, Palestine, and as I'm sure you know, there are, the, there are these horrible walls all over the place, separating Jews from non-Jews. Let's pray for peace, and peace doesn't just mean the end of hostility, it means the breaking down of barriers. It means people being brought together, and as Christians, we believe that can only ultimately happen through Christ. So we pray, we pray for our brothers and sisters living in that holy land, whether Jews or Arabs or Christians. We pray for the global church. We've already prayed in our service for Afghanistan and how terrible to see the pictures this week of what's been going on there. Let us pray more widely for the peace of our world, that the nations will come together in peace. Israel and Jerusalem are in sense a symbol of what we want all nations to be, places of peace and of justice. So we need to pray. We need to pray for peace. We need to pray for wholeness and for healing. We need to pray for peace locally. Um, sorry, there is a picture, uh, one of the heartrending pictures of, uh, of children in Afghanistan. We need to pray for peace locally. Oh, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself with my pictures. But uh, we need to pray for peace in our own church. We need to pray for peace and unity in these times when it's hard to come together. Uh, when some people are prevented from coming together, we need to pray that this will not be a time when we are disunited. And we need to pray, hopefully, as we look forward to the glorious future. Let me give you some other verses from Revelation, uh, this time from Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death 
or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Isn't that a glorious prospect? Isn't that a wonderful thing to hope for, a time of peace and of goodness? Uh, incidentally, that, that last word in the NIV translation of Psalm 122, prosperity, I'm not sure about that as a translation. It's just the Hebrew word for goodness. It's the Hebrew word for good. It's often also used by Jewish people today as a, as a greeting. I will seek your good. And as we pray, as we seek the good of Jerusalem, of, of our brothers and sisters spread across the world, as we, as we seek the good of our own church family, uh, our hearts need to turn upwards and remember that it's for the sake of God's name that we are seeking this goodness. And so this psalm, let, as a conclusion now, this psalm encourages us to reflect on three, on three truths. That gathering together is, is about joy. That gathering together is about unity. And that gathering together is about peace, praying for peace, seeking God's peace. So we're going to pause now. I'll stop the screen sharing. We'll pause now. Just, just have a moment of quiet. Uh, we're going to sing a song or we're going to hear a song sung, uh, which we can join in, which encourages us to seek and pray for peace for one another and for the wider world. But I encourage you now just to think for a minute, what, what's God saying to me? Uh, what is the thing I need to particularly hear today? Is it about joy? Is it, is it about the command to rejoice? Is it about unity? Is it about thinking what I need to do to make God's people more united? Is it about peace and how I could be praying and seeking peace in our local community, in our church community, in the wider world? Let's pause for a moment. You might want to read the psalm to yourself and just pray that the Holy Spirit will bring to life the words that he particularly wants to say to you now. So let's be still for a moment and hear the psalm as we read it quietly together wherever we are. God, we thank you for this psalm. This morning we've looked back, we've thought how it would have been sung and could have been sung back there in Jerusalem hundreds, thousands of years ago, and about the, the heritage that we have based on what happened in Jerusalem, what the Lord Jesus did for us there when he died to save us. We thought about our own local church and what it means to gather together as your people, to be joyful, to be united. And we thought about the glorious hope we have for the future when we will be united with your people through all time and space together, worshipping you and glorifying you. Lord, we pray that you will inspire us to worship. You will inspire us to unity. You will inspire us to peace and to pray and to work for peace. And we pray in the name of the Prince of Peace. Amen.